0: Tonight I wanted to come to you and honestly I wanted to do a teaching that I feel like is very conducive for this house. And I want to challenge you tonight. My job is really to challenge you tonight. And there's some things that I want to talk about talk about, but there's some concepts that I need you to catch. And really those concepts run deep in a word that I feel like God is dealing with incredibly Uh, incredibly um, active in dealing with the word of commitment in his house I believe that God's finger is on commitment with people right now on the things that we are committed to on the things that we are committing ourselves to on the commitment, the tenacity the ability to hold on even while there's shakings going on I believe that uh, God allows shakings to take place so that which remains remains unshakable do you hear what I'm telling you tonight? And so sometimes, and what you need to understand as the people of God, is you will face difficulty, but in facing the difficulty, it's not because God doesn't like you, it's actually because he loves you. And in the difficulty that you face, God will allow things in your life that need to be shaken to be shaken, so that which remains remains unshakable. In other words, it can't be broken off. In other words, your feet are planted. In other words, you're not in this thing because who goes to church with you? You you, you become a person that says like Joshua. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. It doesn't matter who else is. We are sold out to God. We are committed to His calling. We are consecrated in His Word. And so tonight, I want to talk you about about something that honestly i really didn't even receive confirmation for until i was here tonight i was really uh wrestling over this word and i was took some minutes as i got here just to sit in the hall and kind of prepare and evangelist bev came by and we had a short conversation and she doesn't even know but the lord used her to confirm exactly what i was feeling because i want to talk to you tonight about this this concept you ready i want to ask you tonight are you a contestant or are you a contender Because I believe that one thing that the church and the people of God that seem to have wrestled with is the understanding that we are called to contend in this thing, not contest. And I, I want to break that. I want to break the difference down. She said something tonight, though. She said that's the problem with this younger generation. They don't know how to contend for anything anymore. But I want to tell you that's the problem in the church today. Is they don't. The church doesn't know how to contend for anything anymore. Come on, somebody. We just show up and we expect something to be served to us. We expect something to be given to us. But the church, Jesus gives uh, gives a command, if you will, in his la- in his last final moments. He tells them he says, therefore, occupy. That word occupy, go study it. It doesn't mean fill a chair. It doesn't mean sit on a seat. It's a militant term. Soldiers would have been told to occupy areas. Why? So that the enemies that were driven out couldn't come back in. Do you hear what I'm teaching tonight? When Jesus told his church to occupy, he said plant your feet. Don't back up. Don't bow down. Don't give in. Be the army of the living God that I've called you to be. Occupy until I come. In other words, Fill the space with authority so that the enemy and your adversary can't creep back in. See, but the church has lost its ability to contend because we've taken on a contestant mindset. It's, ah, whatever. It doesn't matter what kind of agenda they're pushing on our TV. It doesn't matter what kind of agenda they are playing in our movie theaters. Come on, somebody. We have literally stood by. And we have allowed this spirit of the Antichrist to begin to sweep all throughout not just our nation but the world. Uh, I was studying recently on some end times things, and I was looking at the condition of Australia. I know many of you may look, overlook Australia, but actually Australia is a major blueprint for an end times of what it looks like to raise up a, 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 a nation or a place or a people in the end times. How to condition them to get them ready for the for the revealing of the Antichrist. But I won't get into all that. Tonight but I want you to know there is, a, there is a complacency in that place that has allowed the, the, the wool to be pulled over the eyes of the people. Hebrews 12 and verse 1. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 says this. It says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, or in one translation says, entangles us, and let us run the race, uh, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I wanna emphasize on that part one last time. And let us run with endurance the race. That was set before us, Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you, Father God, that you are here in this place, your word will go forth and accomplish that which you sent it to do. Father, it will not return void, for it is sharper than any two-edged sword. It will divide the soul from the spirit, the bone from the marrow, it will penetrate the very areas of our heart, and God, it will renew the very areas of our mind. Lord, we thank you that as your word goes forth, God, it will be like a lamp unto our feet, for our darkened path, God, and you, we will be able to hear a voice that says, "This is the way." walk in it. Father God, we thank you that you are establishing the footsteps of righteous men and righteous women in this room tonight, Father God, that we will hear a thing, see a thing, and be able to be about the thing that we have seen and heard. Father, we thank you for it tonight in Jesus' mighty name. And the church said, amen and amen. I want you to turn to somebody close to you and ask them, say, are you a contestant or are you a contender? We're going to answer that question tonight because we're going to look through the difference of them. And, we, and what I talk about tonight, you will see a strong mentality of what we see a lot of in the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 24 says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. See, watch this. In a race, all the runners run. But only one runs in a way that he wins. Only one runs in a way that he obtains the prize. I want you to understand, either you're going to run in this race as a contestant, or you're going to run in it as a contender. You're either going to run into it with with conviction, you're going to run in it with compassion, you're going to run in it with unction, you're going to run in it with calling, or you're just going to run because you feel like taking a run. And the truth is, is that that there are many people that they sign up to say, hey, I'm following the Lord. And the truth is, is they are not really about what the Lord is about. They just want to check the box. They just want to say, hey, I'm following the Lord. Yes, I'm a Christian. See, contestants... Are called, but contenders are chosen. Let me tell you, there is a massive difference between being called and being chosen. The Bible says it this way, that many are called, but few are chosen. You want to know the difference about the choosing is you ain't got no say in it. See, when you get chosen, you have no say in it. I want you to understand something. I wasn't called to preach. I was chosen to preach. Come on, if I could have ran from this calling, I would have. But God put his hand on me and said, no, son, you can try to go another way, but you're going to end up like Jonah. I'm just going to get a fish to pick you up and put you right back on the path. I call. Come on, somebody. What you'll find out is there's a big difference between, between being called and being chosen. The difference between a contestant and the difference between a contender is contenders know that there's no other way. Paul said, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. I have. Have to fulfill this. Matthew 22 and 14 said, for many are called, but few are chosen. The difference between a contestant and a contender is contenders know that they're chosen. You know that you've been chosen to do something, that it's part of who you are. It's a part of your DNA. It's a part of your, your, your calling, your purpose. You feel uneasy if you don't walk in it. You feel as a, a, an extreme amount of conviction if you don't achieve after it. Am I talking to anybody t- tonight that knows what it means to be chosen by God to do something? See, a contestant shows up to see what they can get. But a contender shows up to see how much they can give. A contestant shows up on the price is right. But a contender shows up to the UFC. Do you see what I'm talking about? A contestant shows up to see what they can get. But a contender shows up to see what they can give. A contestant shows up on the price is right. But a contender shows up in in an octagon fight, and they're going to fight for their life. That's the difference between a contestant and a contender. And we have to destroy the contestant mentality that is in the church. That we're showing up to see what we can get. That we're showing up to see what we can win. We're showing up to see how it makes us feel. And what we have to start being is not looking for a move of God, but be the move of God. We got to fight for the move of God. Pray for the move of God. Fast for the move of God. If the move of God ain't here. It's because we are not pushing for it. we got to be contenders for the things of God. We've got to be willing to push forward. The Bible said it this way, that the kingdom of God suffers violence, but the violent, take it by force. There's a taking it by force. Some things you've got to make happen. See a contestant and a contender. We have enough contestants in the church, but I believe God is looking for Contenders, those that will say, I'm here to fight and I'm here to fight a good fight. See, I don't want a prize, I want his face. I'm not here to win a prize. I'm not going through this thing called life pursuing Jesus because I'm after some kind of prize. I'm not looking for a crown, y'all. I'm not wanting a crown. I'm wanting Jesus. I'm wanting a relationship with Jesus. I want a relationship that He says, Well done, my good and faithful servant, my good and faithful son. I want you to understand something. Some people are running because they want to get to heaven. I'm not running because I want to get to heaven. I'm running because I want to be with the one who's in heaven. Do you hear what I'm saying? The contestant talks about the mansion and the streets of gold. But the contender says, oh, to look upon his face. There to see the now pierced hands. There to see the scar in his side. That's the difference between a contestant and a contender. Contestants are wanting to see what they can get. But contenders are saying, oh, just to see him, the one whom my salvation has come from. See, a contestant seeks his hand but a contender seeks his heart. A contestant seeks his hand, but a contender seeks his heart. Thinking of this idea of the race that we got to run and understand that we've been called to be contenders, I was thinking of a marathon. See, there's all kinds of runners that show up on marathons funny story. I'm not knocking her because my God, just because she's not here, it doesn't mean I talk about her. But my wife every year does something in Hartsville called the turkey trot. And it's where a bunch of people that want to go eat a bunch of food later on in the day and not feel too bad about themselves, get up at an extremely ridiculous hour of the morning and they get out and they go on this race. It's like a 5K race. I don't know. As you can tell, I've never been there. But anyways, they, they begin to, uh, they, they call it the turkey trot and it's a athletic thing. But the funny thing about it is, is all kinds of people show up all kinds of people show up. Watch this. There's people that show up that are just weekend runners. And then there's some that have never ran a marathon before. They've never ran as much. The last time they ran is when they saw a spider or a cockroach run across the floor. Do you hear what I'm saying? There are some that just go out and want to buy the uh, buy the, the clothes, the running shoes so they can look cute and take their pictures or their selfies and post it and say look what we did. But then there's some that will literally start it with no intention of finishing it and then there are those with uh with all the all the good looks and and just wanting to look like they're a runner but these are the mere contestants do you hear what i'm telling you but then there are those whose shoes are worn there are those who train every day, running consistently, conditioning their bodies. They've ran marathon after marathon. They've run race after race. They're not weekend runners. They're every day living their life, pressing towards this conditioning of their body. And there's those that are, they're battling every day of the week. They're not here to look good. They're here to finish. Come on, somebody. See, quitting is not an option because they're a contender. Now let me take it to a spiritual realm for you and let you understand in the same way in the Spirit, when Paul is addressing the church at Corinth and he's telling them about the runners and those that must run the race with endurance, we have to understand that even in this walk of faith, there are people that show up just to look cute. Come on, somebody. There are people that show up and have no intention of finishing. My God, I'm preaching a whole lot better than y'all letting on, but that's okay. Listen, there are people that show up just for the pictures to say, look what I'm a part of. But then there are those whose shoes are worn spiritually. There are those that every day, they don't just worship on Sunday when the words are on the screen. They don't just say amen on Wednesday night when the preacher's preaching. They are somebody that day in and day out, they're warring in the Spirit. They're praying in the Spirit. They're seeking the face of God. God is not into weekend visitation. He's into everyday habitation. He wants to be in your life, every part of your life he's not just some accessory that you add to your life and look cute with because the truth is, is there's nothing cute about this cross that he's called us to carry see there's one thing that needs to be made clear about this race it's not a downhill race do you hear what i'm telling you when the apostle paul tells them At the Church of Cornus about running this race, we have to understand that he never said that this was a downhill race. I think there's a lot of people that come in and and say, hey, I'll follow you, Jesus. And they've got some idea that following Jesus is a downhill race. I don't mind telling you because I wasn't churched at all 14 years ago before I came to the Lord. But I'll tell you this, that I used to think Christianity was for a bunch of sissies. I used to think that it was for a bunch of people that life was too hard for and they had to have some imaginary pie in the sky that they prayed to to get rid of all their anxiety because they were too soft to deal with the troubles themselves. You know what I found out? Not long after I was saved, that Christians were the hardcorest battle ready people I've ever met in my life and I found out there was nothing easy about this walk and I found out it's very true it's very real it's very alive that the spiritual realm and spiritual warfare and I found out that you could take the biggest baddest guy you can take the meanest looking guy and you can tell him to walk this walk for four days four months or four years and there will be some crying there will be some weeping there will be some there will be some hurt and some difficulty that he will have to walk through because I came to tell you tonight that this race is not a downhill race. Matter of fact, the Bible says it this way in Philippians chapter three and verse 13. It says, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining. Everyone say that word that I straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward, everyone say that word, upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Two words that I want you to catch tonight in Philippians three. He said this word, straining, and then he said upward. See, I want you to know that you were never promised that this walk would be anything easy about it. You were never told that it was a downhill race. Matter of fact, we find in Philippians 3, it's a rather uphill race. And what we will find is that in this life, in this walk of faith, there is one thing we are promised. Difficulty. There is one thing that we are sure of resistance. There is a commonality of a thread that runs throughout the body of Christ, and it is trouble. That there is hard pressed on every side, that we are struck down but not abandoned. But we got to understand that there's there's shipwrecks, and we got to understand that there's betrayal, and we gotta understand that there's spiritual warfare, and then we gotta understand that there is an adversary that walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. We got to see the truth of John 10 that the enemy came to see steal, kill, and destroy, but that he has come that we may have life and life more abundantly. See, so many Christians get disappointed because they thought they were going to be a contestant. They thought it was going to be good. They thought it was just going to be some magic carpet ride. But what they found out is it was no playground. It's a battleground. And there's an adversary of your soul that wants to destroy you and make sure that you give up and quit before you ever get to the finish line. That's the reality of this call. That's the reality of this work. And I make sure the gospel that we preach is not a gospel that tells you that your life will get better. Come on, somebody. I can promise you one thing, your eternity will. But I can't tell you anything. Matter of fact, Job said it this way. A man's days are full of trouble. So we have to understand that when we accept the call of God, when we realize that God's hand is on our life, there is nothing ever easy promised about it. Give me some hope, preacher. I need some kind of hope. I can't just hear that. Well, let me tell you, there's two words that he says in Philippians 3. He says straining and upward. You know, when I think of straining... I think of my little boy the other day. We had to get some feed for our animals and it's a 40 pound bag. Here's the problem, Kai is 42 pounds. And Kai tried to lift it, his face turned red. He was straining. My God, can I tell you that I see myself a lot in that, that there's things in this life that I'm straining. There's things in my life that got me red in the face spiritually. I'm trying to lift it, but the Bible tells me that in my weakness, uh, his strength is made perfect. And I want you to know where Kai was straining, where my little boy was straining. I walked over and said, son, let daddy help you. And what was hard for him was easy for me. And I picked it up and and he was excited because he felt like he was helping me do it. I want you to know that's a lot like what our walk looks like. You may be straining, but your daddy's there with you saying, son, let me help you lift it. And you're excited because you can see it being lifted, but God's doing it in his strength, not in yours. There's two words in Philippians 3 that really paints the picture. There's a straining and there's an upward. But I want you to understand something. Apart from the straining, we see straining in the case of of resistance and heavy. But you know that my mama's got something that if she was making spaghetti or noodles, she would take them and she would put something in the sink called a strainer. And see, whoo, my God, she would pour in that strainer everything she wanted to keep so nothing that she wanted would pass through it. Can I tell you that we find in Philippians 3 that there's a straining, and you'll find out that there's a process in this walk. There are things that you're going to walk through, there are things that you're going to go through, and you'll find out that it may feel like your whole life is being poured out. You'll feel like the whole pot of everything you've ever worked for is being emptied. But what you'll find is God, who's good, has placed a strainer, and what He's doing, He's keeping all the good. He's keeping the sanctification, He's keeping the salvation, He's keeping the conviction. He's keeping the calling, but he's getting rid of the addiction. He's getting rid of the jealousy. He's getting rid of the bitterness. He's getting rid of the hatred, and he lets it go out of our life so he can keep what's good. We find in Philippians 3, there's two concepts in this thing called the Christian way of life, understanding the difference between a contestant and a contender, is you will find out that your life will be strained. But the second one, the upward call, of God in Christ Jesus, the upward call, the upward call. I want you to understand that that word upward is a geographical word. It's a word that lets you know it's not down, it's up. Jesus comes and preaches a message. He says that if, as Moses lifted up the bronze serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. For if I be high and lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. There's an understanding that in this kingdom, Jesus has to go up. But watch this. Jesus said this, that that way where I am, you may be also. He said that he has seated us in heavenly places. The Bible says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. Watch this. We find out that Jesus's geographical location is high. The Bible says that he sits high and looks low. The earth is his footstool. And so we have to understand something, that Jesus is above every circumstance. Jesus is above every situation. Jesus is over, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. He sits high and looks low. But watch this, so many of us talk about resistance. So many of us talk about how hard things are. But you understand, you never get to the top of the mountain without going up. You have to go up. Who can ascend to the hill of the Lord but him with clean hands and a pure heart? There's an understanding that God's calling is upward. My eyes look to the hills from where cometh my help. There's an understanding that we have to go higher if we're going to be what God's called us to be. But watch, you have to understand that if we're running a race, it's an upward call. So in other words, if we are running a race, it's not a downhill race, it's an uphill race. Not long ago, matter of fact, just last year, my wife and I were blessed with an opportunity to go to Boston, Massachusetts. While we were there, we did some sightseeing. And while we saw some sights, we saw uh, the starting and the finish line of the Boston Marathon. It's the world's oldest annual marathon race, and it ranks as one of the world's best known uh, runners racing events but the course is designed to start out as a 16 mile downhill race. For 16 miles of the Boston Marathon, the runners will run in a slight decline down for 16 miles. But then things begin to plane out for about another four miles or so, and you will run through a flat-type area. But then after that, after that, about the 20-mile mark, right between the 20-mile mark and the 21-mile mark, you will meet an element of the Boston Marathon that eliminates every weekend runner. It is a hill called Heartbreak Hill. It got its name in the 1930s as two runners were running in the Boston Marathon. They were running and one runner ran up and passing the first placeman placed his hand on his on his back and tapped him and said, good try. But, the, it, but if you read that story, you'll find out that that pat on the back became the unction that that runner who fell to second eventually ran harder and came up to take first place. But I want you to understand something. The element of Heartbreak Hill, it it eliminates the weekend runners. The one that came to look good now find themselves dropping back and dropping out. The contestants, the ones that showed up to see what they could get, become another casualty of Heartbreak Hill. See, the contestant drops out at Heartbreak Hill, but that is where the contenders arise. The contender arises at Heartbreak Hill. It's at Heartbreak Hill when everyone's dropping out that the one that spent the time training, the one that went through the resistance training, the one that's been conditioning his or her body for this moment. It's at Heartbreak Hill that this runner excels. He hasn't been in this race for the prize. He's been in it to finish. This is the place that the contender uh, uh, may not have started out as fast as some of the contestants, but he started out with a longing to finish. At At the starting line, his mind was set on finishing, reserving the endurance, knowing what lied ahead, knowing that Heartbreak Hill would meet him, but it's not at Heartbreak Hill, that you find the contestant. It's at Heartbreak Hill where you are able to determine the contenders because every weekend runner, every contestant spirit, and everyone that showed up to look good falls to the back. Can I tell you something? I believe there's a prophetic significance of Heartbreak Hill. And I've been walking with the Lord now 14 years, and I will tell you that there is one thing that is in the life of every believer that there is a moment of what we will know spiritually as a Heartbreak Hill. You'll be in a moment of your life where you feel like everything's going good. You'll be at a moment in your life where you feel like it couldn't get any better. What you'll find out is that when you start walking with Jesus, it's real good. There's a honeymoon season. It seems like this is what you've been waiting for your whole life, but you give it just a little while, and what you'll find out is there's a heartbreak hill waiting for you, and it's in that moment that olives are crushed to create oil. It's in that moment that cinnamon is crushed to release the fragrance. It's in that moment that God teaches you and trains you to endure in the upward calling of Christ Jesus it's in that moment that what you'll find out a lot of people that start out in church don't finish and the reason why is because they had the wrong motives all along you know you've seen people that have come and then they leave and you wonder what happened I'll tell you what happened heartbreak heal. They hit difficulty. They hit adversity. And they were not rooted in Christ and were not rooted in His Word. They had not conditioned themselves in the Spirit only to turn around and be disappointed. Saying things like, when I was living in the world, it wasn't this hard. See, this is not for the weak of heart. This is not for the faint of heart. This is for those that the Bible declares those that endure to the end shall be saved. There's an understanding that when we start in this thing, we don't start because we're promised five cars and fancy houses. Come on, somebody. We, we haven't bought into the lie of the preacher online that's got 999 bottles of oil, and if you buy 999 of them for 9.99, then you're going to get 999 blessings. Come on, this is the garbage that we deal with and people think they can buy this. Let me tell you something. This walk is walked out through process. And the process is designed to kill your flesh. To crucify your flesh. You'll have to have close friends betray you. You'll have to have people that said I'll never leave you walk out on you. You'll have to have things that you thought would never happen to you happen to you. You'll deal with infidelity in your marriage. You'll deal with bankruptcy. Come on somebody. I know the preacher told you that if you'll sell out in this thing your bank accounts will be full. Your house Also be busting let me tell you something while those things may happen what you will find though is that the weapon may be formed but it won't prosper weeping may endure through the night but joy cometh in the morning what you'll find out is it may be hard they may have left but he never will and that is the hope of the saints that it is not easy this life was never promised to be good matter of fact i love what the apostle paul says apostle paul basically says this life stinks That's what he says. I know he says it it, it maybe not a way that sounds like that, but he said it this way. He said to the the church, he said, you know, I would rather go, talking about dying. He said, for me to die is gain. If I stay here, it's for your benefit. What did the apostle Paul say? He's like, man, I don't want to be here. I'd rather be there. But if I stay here, you'll benefit from it. See, the reality of it is, is life is difficult. We are all longing to be with him because of the reality of how much life is full of hurts and hangups. But hear me, child of God, you have to press on to the upward calling of Christ Jesus. You have to push past the resistance. You have to fight through the adversity. And what you will find out is that when you come out, you will come out as pure gold. that's what Job said Job was a man of much adversity a man of much resistance matter of fact his life was blistering beautiful before but then heartbreak hill showed up his family was touched his resources were touched his home was touched his friendships were touched his wife stood over his bed and said Job what have you done just curse God and die See, Job had to walk through a process. But that process produced something inside of Job. It, that heartbreak hill created an endurance in Job that he would later utter these words, yea, though he slay me, His name will I praise. And what Job said, he said, I count my life as lost. It doesn't matter anymore. It's not about having a good house. It ain't even about having good friends. It ain't about having luxurious things. It's about knowing that my calling and election is sure. It's about knowing that I'm right with God. It's about knowing that my life is living for Him and Him alone. When we live for God and we live for Him alone, then we understand that we're not a contestant. We're not in this thing to see what we can get. The ones that show up to serve God to see what they can get, let me tell you what they're met with. An extreme amount of disappointment because they think of God on the cultural level they've received Him. And culturally what we say is it's good if it gives you a bunch of stuff. See, what I have found out is I found out in my life that stuff does nothing but cloud my relationship with Him. That's why Jesus told the rich young ruler, he said, sell all that you have then. Give it to the poor. And the Bible says that the rich young ruler went away sorrowful. Why? Because his trust and in his, in his goodness was in his stuff. See, but Jesus calls us and he says, if I'm not all that you want, if I'm not all that you need, then you'll never be satisfied. See, you'll find out that in this life, things happen for us to, to, to throw off. What did he say? Throw off every weight that so easily entangles you. Watch this. You can't run the race with weights tied to your back. And so many people are. So many people are running after God. They really are. But what you're finding out is you're dragging things with you. you got to cast aside. Throw off every weight that so easily entangles you. Philippians 3.13 Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He said, I forget what's behind. I'm not worried about what I went through. I'm not worried about, there's, there's things that I know that even lie ahead that I'm going to have to go through, but even going through them, I have to continue to lean in. I got to continue to press on to the high calling of Christ Jesus. You have to understand something. The spirit of a contender says, it doesn't matter. I may stumble. I may fall. I may get my knees skinned. I may get beat up a little bit, but I'm not stopping. I didn't start this thing to start it. I started it to finish it. I'm going to run the race of faith. I'm going to continue to pursue Jesus with every ounce of my being. 2 Timothy 4 and I'm done. 2 Timothy 4 verse 7 says this. says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. Finally, There is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. I want to say this tonight. That every one of us that will continue to press on, every single one of us that will continue to seek the face of God, to, to, to seek God earnestly, and to understand that God is for us. And if God be for us, who or what can be against us? It's an understanding in 2 Timothy that every one of us has promised a finally, a finally. Finally, the finish line. Finally, uh, a well done. Finally, I don't know when that finally is. Your finally could be tonight. Your finally could be next year. Your finally could be in 20 years. Your finally could be when the Lord returns. But the reality of it is, is every one of us has promised a finally. If we run the race with endurance, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Hebrews 11 says, now faith. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. How do you keep the faith? You go through things not knowing what the outcome is, but trusting in the one that is leading you. Stand with me all over this house tonight. I felt a strong conviction to come in here tonight to challenge you. I don't know who I'm speaking to. It could be one. It could be, it could be ten of you. It could be just a few of you. But my challenge to you tonight is this. Finish the race. Finish the race. Don't turn back. Don't look back. Don't go back. Don't be like, I, I love what Luke, the Gospel of Luke says. It says, remember Lot's wife. Don't be that one that turns around to go back. Finish the race. You started in this thing. You were never promised uh, 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 that it would be easy. You never promised that it would would be good all the time. But you were promised that he is good. He is good. It ain't good, but he is good. And Romans 8 tells me that he's working all things together for good. So when it's over, you'll be able to say, thank you, God. It was good. It was good.